That guy could make a move. I don't even know what he was saying, but he's making a move. Amen. Can you stand with me this morning for the reading of God's Word? Welcome, everyone. I'm so honored that you are here with us. We had just an awesome group of people praying for you last night here at Saturday Night Prayer. Uh, if you've never been to Saturday Night Prayer, we do it every Saturday at 7 o'clock, and we pray for our city, we pray for our community, we pray for our local church and other local churches. And last night we had a great group of people praying for you. And I'm just expecting God to do great things in our service this morning. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to hold them in the air with me. I want you to repeat after me. I am healthy. I am happy. I'm holy. I'm humble. I'm faith-filled. Fun-loving. Born again. Child of God. Amen. I want you to turn your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4. Now, you might not feel that way yet, but before you leave this place today, we're going to give you an opportunity to be all those things in Jesus' name. 2 Kings chapter 4. I'm in a series entitled Hope for Hard Cases. Hope for Hard Cases. The title of my message this morning is Pass Me Another Jug. Pass Me Another Jug. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse number 1. And the Bible says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Everyone say, that's a problem. That is a problem. JBQ is getting ready to have practice right now. Thank you, uh, iPad. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar, jar of olive oil. Everyone say, small jar of olive oil. And we, got, we have props for you this morning. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into the jars, and each and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought all the jars to her, and she kept pouring. Everyone say, that's amazing. You know, it's really amazing that she actually went and did what the man of God told her to do. That's what's really amazing. When all the jars are full, she said to her son, pass me another jug. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said to her, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for your great grace. Thank you for your amazing kindness. Thank you for the reality of who you are, what you've already done in our service, Lord. We took communion together. We broke the bread and we drank the cup. And we thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for grace. You've met our needs today. Lord, I pray a blessing over your people that they'll have an ear to hear, not just my words, but your word. And God, that word will go from their hearing into their hearts and they'll leave this place changed. Use me one more time, Lord, to communicate your truth. I ask this, Jesus, in your mighty name. Said, Amen. You may be seated. Our little becomes much when we're willing to put our trust completely in Him. Our little, that's our big idea, our little becomes much when we're willing to put our trust completely in Him. It was 26 years ago this week that marital bliss began in my life. 
And I just want to say happy, happy anniversary to my beautiful wife. I love you. I love you more. And it really is true. It ain't always easy, but it's always good. And the old songwriter said it gets sweeter as the years go by. And it really does get sweeter. And I love you, Laura. I love you with all my heart. And over these last 26 years, we've seen God do so many amazing things. I remember our first year of marriage. You know, the first actually couple of weeks of marriage, it was it was exciting, lots of cool things. But one of the things that happened in our life is that I would have what I called miracle in the mailbox moments. Anybody have a miracle in the mailbox moment? You know what I'm talking about? It check in the mail. <laughs> Does anybody beside me like to get a check in the mail? Uh, I don't like to get bills. I want to get checks in the mail. And then, you know, the first couple weeks after you get married, you know, you're still getting your friends and family. They send you checks. And, and uh, I remember when the mailbox miracle dried up. <laughs> mailbox miracle dried up. And then we started looking around to see what we could sell. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't have kids at that time, so I couldn't sell them. But boy, we, would, we sold anything, anything that we could sell. And we didn't have anything. But let me tell you, what we had those presents, we were taking them back. Uh, and it was at that moment, it was at that moment of my life that I really learned something. I really learned that I had to completely put my faith and trust and confidence in God for every area of my life. I wouldn't trade those, those years uh, in a moment. I mean, those were the things that fortified my faith and built a great confidence in God as I saw his provision over and over and over. I mean, they were incredible times. I mean, there were times, I mean, we started literally with nothing. We had, our, our, our first bed was a, I can't believe I made my wife do this. I can't believe I was, but we actually had to sleep on sleeping bags. We didn't have a bed. We had a sleeping bag. That was our first bed. And I've seen the faithfulness of God. I've seen his provision in our lives. And it's built a greater sense of confidence and trust. Built a greater sense of confidence and trust that God really does care. Our story this morning is found in a time in Israel's history, but things weren't going really well. As a matter of fact, you know, the, the tribes of Israel, they'd had their glory did. The best years of the nation of Israel had been behind them. They, they had the time of David and Solomon, but now they were being ruled by kings, and most of the kings didn't do very good. They worshipped false idols, and because of that, because of their idolatry, God would allow problems to come into their life. Big problems. This particular man, his name is Elijah, is one of my favorite prophets of the Old Testament. I mean, this man was a man of grace and compassion. He, he just, he had something on his life. And what I really like about him is his passion for the supernatural. I mean, he had a passion to see God do things in people's lives, to change their realities. I mean, he came with a word of comfort and a word of hope. The prophet that he had followed, Elijah, had come with the word of truth. But Elisha had come with the word of grace. Uh, Elisha was a man who was passionate for the Lord. When he looked at Elijah, he said, listen, Elijah, I love what God is doing in your life, but I want a double portion. I want twice as much as what you have. I want God to bless me twice as much in my ministry. I love what God is doing at City Church. I love all the young people. I love the generations that are here. We're a church of generations. And I, I shared with you a couple of weeks before I went on uh, my sabbatical how I felt like the next 10 years of my life was focused on reaching and impacting the next generation. 
But I love to see the young people that are here in our church, the, the young preacher boys and the young women preachers and, and the, the people of God that he's raising up in this house who are passionate for him. And, and I believe that my lid will be their floor. I believe that they're going to take this church and what God is doing in this city to the whole next level so that Jesus and the, his name can become famous in our city. Amen. He was a messenger who was passionate in his generation. And, and the people, the people, they had issues. Like people in every generation, they had issues. There are two main characters in our story. There's the prophet Elisha, but there's also this, this widow. This widow who had also been married to a prophet, a, a prophet that we don't know his name. Many rabbis teach that this prophet was Obadiah, and, and, and Obadiah was the prophet who had taken care of over a hundred men of God when there was a famine and difficulty in the land. Maybe that's why she was where she was at. I mean, maybe that's why when he died, there, she found herself in a place of poverty and, and a place of, of being destitute. What I want you to see this morning is that even God's very faithful can have big problems. It's not just bad people or some people, but every person in this room, you're going to have problems. It's part of life. It's part of living in a fallen world. It's just part of what makes us who we are. She finds herself with a big problem. As a matter of fact, this problem is so big, it's leading her to a place of despair. The Bible actually says in verse number one, she cries out. She cries out. She, I mean, this is like, this is a deep inner groaning. This is like, this is like a mother who's getting ready to lose her two babies kind of cry. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been around a mama who, whose child has been really seriously hurt. Or, or you've ever been around a mama who gets up that protective mode, but there is a, a war cry that goes on in their heart. They just stiffen up. You can, you know, I mean, this mama, she would just begin in her spirit to cry out to the prophet. I mean, despair. In this culture, in this generation, you had to pay your debts. I mean, you couldn't file chapter 7, chapter 11, chapter 9. You couldn't go to the bankruptcy court. You, you couldn't just move to the next location. They would hunt you down. You had to pay your debts. David actually said, the wicked borrow and don't repay. I, I mean, it was a serious thing in the nation of Israel for a person not to pay their debts. And they were going to take whatever they could get to make you pay it, even if it was your children. The creditor was coming to take her two boys. I, I can't imagine. I mean, I love my boys. I just, my oldest son's 23 now, and I just watch him sleep. He's 23, you know, and he's finishing school, and I'll just stand, he's sleep, and I just, I like the way my son breathes. I just love my boys. You're a parent, you love, that you're, they're your life. Come on, they're your life. You're not going to take my boys. I'll get the shotgun, <laughs> petty bond the door, because you ain't going to take, you ain't, don't touch. I mean, some of those painful moments of my life is when things have happened to my kids. And you know that as a parent. So you can, let's paint this picture. This is a problem. There's despair and there's death. She's lost her husband. There's debt. And, and this is not going well. Things are, listen, you know, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. What part of that is this? <laughs> Right, This doesn't seem to be going the right direction for the woman of God. Uh, uh, I love what uh, J. Reuben Clark says about debt. He says, about debt. He says, once you're in debt, interest will be your companion every moment of the day. And it's working against you. It has no love, no sympathy. It's hard and soulless as a granite cliff. And you cannot dismiss it. 
whenever you get in its way or you cross its course or fail to meet its demands, it will crush you. The debt, the debt of owing someone else. But what I really love about this woman is her devotion. Her devotion. She knows exactly where to go when she has a problem. She knows exactly she goes to the Lord. See, in her life, Elisha the prophet represented. He was God's representative representative on earth. And she doesn't run over to her friends. She doesn't beg other people. She goes to the man of God. The greater miracle to me is that when she goes to the man of God, she's actually willing to listen. She's actually willing to listen to what the man of God has to say. So she goes to the man of God. She cries out her story. And then all of a sudden... Something happens. Something in her heart. When the righteous cry out, the Bible says, the Lord hears them. The Lord hears you. When you, in your desperation, cry out to the Lord, the Bible says that when we call upon him, he will answer. Pastor Mark Rutland pastors the church in Baltimore, Maryland, and he tells a story that when he was six years of age, he was playing with some friends in, in, in the barn that the, 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 the church that his father had owned, pastored. The church owned a, a house in a barn, and, and he and his brother were playing in this barn. And as they were playing around this barn, they were told that they were not supposed to be there. This was the forbidden barn. And you know how kids do, you know, whatever's, you know, off limits, they're going to test it and check it out. And, and so friends came over, and they found themselves playing around in this barn, and uh, there was this great big rotary hoe. That's what that's called. It was leaning up against the wall. They had been warned not to play in the bar. There was dangerous instruments in there, farm equipment. And as they were playing in this barn, he was kind of showing off, you know, a little six-year-old, not really paying attention. He was walking on a beam, and all of a sudden, the beam flipped up, and it threw him back. And this hoe was leaning against the wall, and it threw him back, and he became literally, he literally was impaled with a 10-inch spike all the way through his chest. Hanging six feet in the air. He said he was knocked out. He, when he came to, he said he was completely dazed. And there he was hanging six feet in the air. There was a man floating right in front of him. So the man was floating in front of him said, it's going to be okay. Don't worry. He said the man, he didn't know who he was. He helped him down. He got off. He staggered out of the barn. He said it was a miracle. He couldn't believe it. And he said as he was reflecting back over this story many, many years later, he said this. He said, after hearing my parents' side of the story, it was a constant reminder to me that God knows my struggles. I've never, I am never unseen by his loving gaze. My dad didn't even have medical insurance back then. And so the hospital bill was a source of pain for him. But he told me that some wealthy individual in the community called him and said he would cover every penny of the bill. He said, all this shows me that God hears my cries and he responds to me when I cry out to him. What you have to hear today, whatever you're walking through, whatever the challenge, this woman's challenge was a lack of money, was a lack of provision. But whatever your challenge, whatever your hurt, whatever struggle or habit or difficulty or fear or sense of injustice you're walking through today. And listen, if you're a single mom, I want you to know that God really cares about you. God really, really cares. Although this problem seemed to be big to her, she had a bigger God. She had a bigger God. I want you to know today, no matter how big your problem seems to be, you have a bigger God. He cares for you.
as we look through our text this morning, we'll see that the miracle was right in her own house. She has a problem, but God has already made a way of provision for her. Look at verse number two. The Bible says, Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? How can I help you? She says, your servant has nothing here at all. The prophet gets her to identify her need. He actually causes her to erase her faith. Oh, what do you mean erase her faith? Yeah, yeah. Right at this moment, God is getting her to realize she knows this. But in her heart, she has to see that she has no ability on her own to fix this problem. You know what most of troubles and trials and struggles and things that you can't seem to overcome in your life really are? They're really God erasing your faith in yourself and your own ability and your own confidence and your own wisdom. God allows things to come into my life and your life that are so big that if God doesn't show up, we're sunk. And that's exactly where this woman is at. See, God erases her faith, but then the next moment I want you to see that God asks, he establishes her faith. He says, what can I, how can I help you? What do you have in your home? She says, well, I just have this little tiny jar of oil. I just have this small little jar of oil. I mean, I've only got this little bit of talent. I've only got a little bit of time. This little tiny jar of oil. In ancient Israel, oil did not just symbolize the presence of God. Oil was also crucial to their whole economy. They ate oil, they bathed in oil, they slept in oil, <laughs> and they were buried in oil. I mean, it really was the economic engine of their culture and their generation. It was very valuable, very valuable. And this is all she had, a little tiny flask. But she didn't recognize it. She didn't recognize the power of that oil, the miracle that was in that bottle. Sometimes the miracle is right before us, but we just don't see it. We just need God to kind of wake us up and show us, you know, that, hey, listen, one little small thing can become really big with God. Let me make it clear to you today. God almost always starts with small and insignificant in your life to show himself strong and to show himself big. It almost always starts small. It's a small little seed. I mean, you think back to the very beginning, it was just a few small words that God spoke. And guess what? When God said, let there be light, there was light. It was just one small, tiny little seed from a man by the name of Abraham at the age of 100, impregnating his wife at the age of 90. That would literally turn the course of history and of nations, and he would become the father of all who believe. And our Lord Jesus Christ became a direct descendant, the blessing of all creation. Let me tell you, it was a small little staff that was lifted up in the air that caused the Red Sea to part. It was one small step that Joshua took when he got to the Jordan River to cause those waters to part. It was one small stone in the sling of a little tiny shepherd boy going round and round and round that found itself lodged right in the forehead of a giant and split it wide open and caused him to fall in the ground. It was one small little snackable lunch that fed over 5,000 people. You see, don't despise the days of small beginnings. When you look around, what do you have? What do you have? What do you have that God can use? 
What do you have that God can turn into a miracle in your life? I have a picture here. It's our very first beach and baptism day at City Church. It was Memorial Day weekend in 1999. We had opened City Church in 19, Easter of 1999. And seven weeks later there at the Altamont Theater, there was a group of us that went to the beach for the very first time as a church. We had 48 people in attendance that morning. We took 49 to the beach. Everyone say increase. We had increase. Something about going to the beach. We had a great time. Think of that miracle. Lots of opposition. Three couples moved from Seattle, Washington. Three couples had no idea and knew not one person in this city. Didn't know where we were going to go. Didn't know how it was going to happen. But had a call from God. Believe that there was a God who was willing to work miracles. Believe that there was a God that loved people, was crazy about people, and that our, des- and our calling was to bring his love to the city. We believe that with all of our heart. That one little small seed given to the Lord has turned into what today is City Church right here at 650 East Airport Boulevard. But I want you to know today what God has done. God wants to do more. There's more people that need Christ. There's more people that need Jesus. You don't underestimate the little bit that you have. Well, I don't have, you know, I don't, my talent is so-and-so. A friend of mine was a concrete contractor, and he lived in Tucson, Arizona. He told me the story. He said my son was struggling with his relationship with God. He said we were out working one day, and, and he said we were pouring a sidewalk, and I looked inside the great big concrete mixer, and there wasn't enough concrete to finish the job. So I turned to my son, and I said, son, do you want to see a miracle? So he said to the boy, he said, all right, whatever, Daddy. He goes, he goes I'm going to pray, and you just watch what God does. No, that takes some faith. <laughs> Come on, that takes some faith. He said he just simply prayed a simple prayer, and he asked God to multiply the concrete. He said that concrete mixer kept coming around, and guess what happened? Concrete just coming out. Concrete just kept coming out. He finished the whole job, and there his son, he said his son, with mouth wide open, jaw, and he just jaw dropped into his chest, couldn't believe the provision of God. You never underestimate what God can do if you're willing to believe. Come on. The Lord says to her, listen to me. Listen to me. God says to her, listen, I will be your source. I will be your supply. Paul the apostle told the church at Philippi, he said, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Look at here in verse number three. The prophet tells her, he says, I want you to go and ask all your neighbors for some empty jars. God's about ready to make this faith public. Everyone in the community is going to see this miracle. Everyone's going to know. Now that takes faith. It takes faith to step out and to believe when it seems to be absolutely ludicrous and impossible to everyone else. She gets all these jars, empty jars. She brings them in. She brings the jars in. You know why they had to be empty? Because God can't fill a full jar. I can't fill a full jar. If you don't need God, if you don't need a miracle, you won't get a miracle. Several years ago, after City Church, uh, we were up in here in Sanford. We had gone through our journeys. We found ourselves in Sanford. And I had made two requests of God when I started this church, two requests that I'd asked the Lord. I remember, I remember exactly where I was when I prayed this prayer. I said, Lord, there's two things. It'll be an indication to me that it's time for me to leave the city. One is that if I can't pay the rent, God, if there's ever a time in our church's history that I'm not able to pay the rent, it's time for me to leave. 
The second thing, Lord, if I hire people that work for me, if I ever get to the place where I can't make the payroll, I'm done. I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't live like that. I just, that, this, this way I'm wired, I just can't do that. And I asked the Lord that. About four or five years ago, I mean, the recession had hit, and you guys know, I mean, it, people in our church are losing jobs and houses and all the terrible things that happened, at least at the beginning of that recession, even, I guess, to some extent today. But things were shaking. It was a Thursday afternoon. Payroll was every Friday. And I remember it was Thursday, and there wasn't enough money to make payroll. I didn't tell anybody. And, you know, because it wasn't anybody else's business. And I had made this deal with God. I said, God, if you ever bring me to the place where I can't make payroll, it's time for me to leave. Uh, pastor Dan was a children's pastor at the time, and he was a church administrator. We were sitting down in his truck, and we, were, and we were talking about the finances of the church. And I, I said, Dan, do you want to see a miracle? Because I knew that it wasn't time for me to leave yet. I knew God wasn't done with me yet. And he said, yeah. And, and he was nervous because he was the guy that was doing all the bills and he was the one handing out the paychecks and he was very nervous. I said, Dan, I said, God's going to work in America. We prayed that Thursday afternoon. I remember it was just like it was yesterday. We prayed. We took hands in his truck. We made an agreement. And we asked Jesus to provide. By the end of that day, by the end of that day, someone walked up to me with a check in their hand for $15,000. Come on, give God a big hand. Oh, you can say, oh, that's just for the preacher boy. Oh, that's just for the preacher boy. No, let me tell you, that's for you today. It's for every person who's willing to believe. If you know you're in the will of God and you're doing the will of God, I want to tell you, He will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory. He is your source. He is your hope. It was that private time with God that all of a sudden it would become public because in just a moment she would say these famous last words. Pass me another jug. Look at verse number five. The Bible says, Then she left the prophet, and she shut the door behind her with her sons, and they brought the jars to her. She left the prophet. She obeyed the word of God. Here's the deal. So many people think that this thing is magic. So many people think that miracle, it's not magic, you know. It's the miraculous, supernatural provision of God. And she takes this little tiny jar of oil. And she believed. Jesus said, have faith in God. Jesus said that. Jesus said, have little, the faith of God. Have faith in God. And you'll say to this mountain, you will say, you will speak. She took what was in her hands. I just want you to read, just look at that text. She begins to pour. I mean, come on. And these aren't little, you know, that these aren't little, like, you know, anointing oil jars that we pass around, you know, to lay hands on people. No, no, no. These were vessels. <laughs> these were vessels. The Bible says, bring your vessels, not a few. She began to pour that oil. Uh, and, you know, you know I, mean, I mean, you can imagine her sons. They're standing there. They're looking. She's pouring that oil, and it's just, she's pouring that oil. And all of a sudden, the first vessel is completely full. And then she goes, bring another one. They fill up the next vessel, and the next vessel, and the next vessel. I mean, come on. Hey, what, hey I, I mean, can you feel the excitement starting to build? Her boys can't believe this miracle. The impossible is becoming possible. The word of the Lord is becoming true. See, it went from her head and to her heart, and she believed that if she obeyed the word of the prophet, she would prosper. And then she got to the end. Pass me another joke. 
vessels. He told her, don't just get a few. Bring as many as you can get. Don't just bring God a little and expect him to bless it. Give God a lot to bless. I was reading this text this week, and I thought, well, she did have one more vessel. <laughs> it was in her hands. She had a vessel in her hands. What would have happened if she asked God to fill that vessel? <laughs> I mean, just a question. I don't know. But I just have a sneaking suspicion that the oil just would have kept flowing. The oil just would have kept flowing. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. <laughs> Count your many blessings and see what God has done. Count your many blessings. Count your blessings. She's got one vessel. I asked the question on Facebook this week, and I had several people respond, and I just want you to see just a few people. Some of them go to our church, some of them don't. But Kelly Scott, um, actually, uh, it was a great honor a few years ago. I got to perform the wedding for Kelly and for Eric. And, and Kelly writes these words about God working in her life. She said, when Eric and I were engaged, we were working hard to pay our wedding with cash. No credit. We had a huge unexpected deposit due, or we would lose our date. We didn't have it budgeted, and I didn't know what to do. Together, we prayed that God would provide. The very next day, I went into work and received an email from my boss that said they were giving out unexpected bonuses to several associates. The amount, li the amount listed in the email was exactly the amount I needed. They said it would be added to our checks that Friday, the exact date that the deposit was due. BTW, by the way. And in the end, God provided for us to pay for our wedding with cash. We got married without having any debt of the wedding. Come on, give God a hand. <laughs> Elisa Holly, she responded. She said, hi, Pastor. Yes, last year was a very difficult year for me. Work, finance, kids, marriage, infertility. This year, I just simply prayed. <laughs> I just simply prayed. Lord, please bless me. How about that for a novel idea? Oh, Lord, please bless me. It could have been anything. Anything small would have been amazing. But this year has been so amazing, beyond belief. My dad has been a, a bigger part of my life. And today I found out that I got promoted in my job. Extremely uh, grateful. But I believe it was a direct answer to my prayer. Christina and Rob Bilovichowski they live in upstate New York, used to attend church here. She said, Pastor, we were unemployed for about a year. During that time, we lived off of $400 a week for a family of three. We decreased our debt and were never late on a payment for anything. God provided, and here's a miracle part, God provided everything we needed. The church helped us with food. We got random gifts of money in the mail, checks in the mail. <laughs> we never asked for anything from anyone God provided. You can use my name if you want to. Thank you, Christine. I just did. <laughs> Joyce Shower, her husband, Hank, they actually were founding members here at City Church. They moved from Seattle to help us plant this church back in 1999. And she said, uh, she said, how about Hank's healing of tumor in his lung? Hank went for a normal physical, and they noticed a shadow on his lungs when the x-ray was taken. They sent him back to have a second x-ray, and it definitely showed a black spot. 
we set up a time for a, a CT scan. And then the next Sunday, we came to church. That Sunday, you and several other people anointed Hank with oil, and you prayed up a storm. When the scan was taken, no more tumor. God wasn't finished with Hank yet. He knew he would be needed to help start City Church of Orlando. I love you, Pastor Eugene. Can't wait to be back with you to continue on our amazing journey. They are moving back next month to continue on in the journey for the next season of their life here at City Church. Mark Kergo, pastor friend of mine, one of our network churches in Phoenix, Arizona, said a few days before a critical $10,000 financial deadline for our, our church launch, they just planted a church two years ago, we received a check for $10,000 from a brand new believer who didn't even end up, attend our church. Miracle provision, always enough, always on time. Someone once said he's Jehovah Nisi. I like to call him Jehovah just in the nick of time. God's just always on time in our life. There was the limited provision. The oil stopped. They had no more vessels. I want you to see something about God. In your life, you'll find yourself in a place of not enough. Every person finds that. Every person, I mean, there's a few people that, you know, that grow up maybe in wealthy homes. I didn't grow up in a wealthy home. My parents were very poor. And we had lots of times of not enough. But when you come to Christ, God wants to teach you principles of faith. God wants to teach you principles of faith and complete trust in him. And God will take you from a place of not enough. And as you obey him and put your trust in him and live for him and you live devoted to him, he'll take you to a place of just enough. And just enough is a good place. Just enough is a good place. But there is another place that God wants to take you. It's to the place of more than enough. See, because if God can get it through you, he will give it to you. And God wants to take you to that place where you have more than enough so that you can be a blessing, just like Pastor Glenn read in our, our text this morning. The reason that City Church is able to be a blessing to other churches in our city and our community and, and missionaries and people that we support is because God's given us more than enough. And even in times when we have just enough or not enough, we keep giving that oil. We keep pouring that oil into other vessels because as long as our vessel is empty, God can pour back into us. God loves you today. God, he's crazy about you. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. He wants you to know that he will supply. He will provide. He will meet every single need in your life. The second thing God wants you to know today is that when you give him your little, when you're willing to give him your little, he's able to make it into much. But you've got to be willing to give him your little. I mean, your little time, your little whatever it is, your little job, your little work. God is able to take a little tiny, small idea, one idea, one idea, start a preschool at City Church. Tried to start a preschool at City Church. Didn't work the first time. Tried it again. Didn't work the second time. If you quit after the first time you fail at something, you'll never succeed in life. If you quit the very first time something doesn't work out, you'll never make it in life. You've got to get back up again. Third time. Third time. It was miraculous. It was miraculous. 16 kids. Today, this week, over at City Church Academy 
in just a little over six years. 95 children in our preschool. Come on, give God a big hand. One tiny little small seed. This last week, we, we prayed over five young people, five young people to start a brand new intern program, Next Generation, to equip, to train, to raise up. And we prayed. I, I was praying last night over that intern program because I know the enemy would love to just attack and to wipe it out right at the very beginning. And I believe that that little seed that God has placed into our hearts to impact and to touch the city in a greater way is going to go. You watch it. You watch that next generation. You watch what happens next year. You see what God does as he brings young people into our church who have a heart to be trained and equipped to do ministry. Watch what God does. One small, tiny seed in your life. And God can work a miracle. But you got to bring him another jug. You might be empty today. You might be running on empty. <laughs> God wants to fill you today. God wants to pour out his grace to touch your heart today. Close your eyes. Guys, just turn the, the house lights down just a little bit for me right now. God loves you. I don't know every circumstance I don't know every situation in this room. I don't. I just There's only one God. There's only one God who knows everything about your life. But what I do know today is that God cares. God cares. And God's desire for you is good. God's desire is to bless you. Blessing doesn't mean you're driving a brand new Bentley or some other nonsense or foolishness like that. That's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about just that sense of the peace of God that he is with you and that he's going to meet your need and you will, you will receive the miracle according to your faith. Businessman, right now, God's speaking to your heart and you've wrestled and struggled and the Lord would say to you, I will reward you according to your faith, but you must do, you must do what I've asked you to do. The Spirit of God is in this house right now. The presence of Almighty God, the God who met the need of this widow, is here today to meet your need. He loves you, but are you willing to give Him your all? Come on, your faith, your trust. You're not looking back. You're not looking to the side. You're going to put your trust completely in Him. You're going to do what the prophet has said. Right now you're here today. Boy, that vessel's empty. And you need oil. You need your oil. You need your jar filled. You, you need the provision of God in whatever dimension. It could be a hurt. It could be a habit. Listen, if you get a little bit of forgiveness, you're going to get more forgiveness. If you get a little bit of love, you'll get more love. If you walk in a little bit of joy, you'll receive more joy. It's just the way God uses your little and turns it into much if you're willing to give it all to Him. Right now when I count to three, if that's you, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. One. Two, three, come on in this room right now. Raise your hand. Can we stand together this morning? Hands have gone up all across this room. You need the provision of God. You need the provision of God in some area of your life. You need God to fill you today. You need God to touch you. 
I want you to take the next step. You raised your hand. I, I don't want to miss this moment. I believe that God is here today to do a work in our lives. We believe in prayer. This woman, she called out. She cried out. And you're here today. I don't want you to leave without an opportunity to have the need net in your life. To have the need met in your life. I, I want to give every person that opportunity. You raised your hand or you didn't raise your hand. But you want someone to pray with you. I just want you to begin to make your way to these altars. I want you to come, come.